Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You can go ahead and do better than that. Let's give God a look. Yeah. Amen. He's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good, isn't he? Yeah. Thank you so much, church, for your faithfulness to him and your listening. And we want to talk a little bit more about that as we go forward today. We're going to look at something that God has for us in his expectation of us. All right, so I want you to know that God has an expectation of you, and it is an expectation that he has for all of us who have received his gift of salvation. Are you a born-again believer today? If you are, say yes. yes. Awesome. Do you know that God has expectations for you? Yes. Are you doing them? Yes. Things changed right there. No, trying's not good enough. All right, let's stop. All right, well, I mean, we can start with an altar call if you want. I don't care how we do this. But see, when we're looking at what God says to us, he definitely has an expectation of what he wants from us and what we're doing. So in response to what he's doing, um, I'm not, that's not functioning for me back there. I'm not sure why, but I'll just do this here. We're going to read a verse that we read a couple weeks ago. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, if you've been around the church, you've heard uh, the first part of this. We mentioned that as we read it to you before. Um, I'm going to test this again real quick. Yep, no go. All righty then. Uh, <laughs> God saved you by his grace when you believed. All right, so the only part that we had in this salvation God has given to us is our believing. So God called us, the Holy Spirit convicted us, and God made himself real to us so that we knew that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he truly did die for our sins on the cross, and he truly rose from the grave. And in that process of what God has done, we simply believed it, and you received that amazing gift of salvation. Isn't that awesome? Crazy, isn't it? And, and sometimes it seems just too simple for us. And so a lot of people struggle because they think they've got to do something different. A lot of people are led to believe by the enemy that God is waiting for me to measure up to a certain standard to be called by God. So I want you to know it works in the opposite of that. God calls us, we believe, and then God does the process of the change in us. All right, so we have to realize that we can't change ourselves in the first place. Otherwise, Jesus didn't have to die. If we could work at changing ourselves and making us right with God, we didn't need to do it in the first place. He didn't need to do it in the first place. Thank you. All right, so we're going to not just stop reading right there. Listen, you, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you take, can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Y'all heard that verse a lot of times, haven't you? All right, so it's good, and thank you, Jesus, for that. But as we continue reading, the next part we've heard as well. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. So, like, you don't have a better record than me, and I don't have a better record for you in achieving forgiveness. Forgiveness is given. It's a gift. And so as we consider that then understanding that this whole relationship with God through Jesus Christ started the moment we believed. And God gave that incredible gift to us that we have a relationship with him right now. Amen. Now, 
We're going to read the next verse, which is really critical for us, and oftentimes we stop before we read it. For we are God's masterpiece. Isn't that awesome? You're a masterpiece of God. Not in all your faults, not in all your defects, not in your childhood states. You are the masterpiece of God that he is doing something new in, creating what he desires for you to be. And listen to what it says right here. Listen, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Right? That's the creation. That's once we believe God's work started. Here's what it says now. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, comma, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. All right, so it wasn't just to save you to get you to heaven. No, it was to save us to be in relationship with him. Heaven is a reward of, but it's not the only reward of, nor the only purpose of. See, God intended for us to always have a relationship with him, not just when we get to heaven. That's why he made us in the first place, right here on earth. And God desires a relationship with us still right here on earth. So as we look at what it says, we look at this and says, look, when you believed God did a work in you, it was a new work, a new life that Christ brought to us. And God is doing this and has done this because he has a plan. But it's not just that he has a plan. We cannot deny the fact that salvation is a gift we cannot earn, but we equally cannot deny that we are saved to do stuff for God. It says so right there in that same verse. So God has a to-do list for you. We have to look at what he says to us. God has a plan for us. He says so. He said he planned for this long ago. So like your to-do list has been stuck on God's refrigerator waiting for you to wake up. And right now he's like, hey y'all, you've been awakened, but some of you haven't even gone to the refrigerator to notice that I have stuff for you to do. See, when Justin was talking earlier, you know, when we started our day, it's like, good morning, Lord, I need you to do this, 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 and this. We give God to-do lists all the time. And we expect him to, and when he doesn't, we're kind of disappointed. And God's saying like, hey, this is a relationship. There's two of these. Yes, I will do for you. I already have. This is God. But he's like, I have some stuff for you to do today. And oftentimes we don't pause even long enough to listen for God to say one thing about what he planned for our day. So when you get up on Monday and you're thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and God, you need to do this, and God, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and we crash in our bed at night, did we even give a thought to what God asked for us to do that day? As we look at this, it's God planned for us. So therefore, he's got a schedule, a calendar, and an end result. So I'm not trying to read into God's word. I want to look at God's word and ask God to speak to us because he's not speaking about relationships earned by what we've done prior to. He's talking about the fact that once we're in relationship with him, he has things for us to do. And listen, it's not just go to church, worship, pray, and read your Bible. 
Those are spiritual disciplines about us growing in our relationship with him. So that is important for us in our walk with him. But listen, what the word of God is talking to us about is the things God planned for us to do for him. See, in those spiritual disciplines, that's still for us, which we need to do, by the way, of course. Gathering together for worship is to adore him, but it's for us. He tells us to do it more and more as the end is coming, right? It says that in Hebrews, gather together more and more. Don't neglect it. Some people are missing out. That's in Hebrews uh, 12 or 13. You should just read it all and find it. It's there. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about the fact that God has a plan and he's got a to-do list and he wants you to know that these are works for him and for his purpose. Sorry, I got a new mic and I'm still getting used to it. I apologize, but let's do this. Matthew chapter five says this, you are the light of the world, like a city that is on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. Okay, hold on just a second before I go anywhere else with this. A lamp never picks where it's placed. <laughs> right? So if God turns the light on, he places us in a place for the light to shine. Stop complaining about where you are. If you're following God and he is in charge of your life, Stop complaining about where you are. Stop complaining about the darkness around you and be the light. That's what he tells us right here. You don't hide your light. It's there for the purpose of giving light in darkness. Therefore, I think reading that, Jesus expects us to be around some darkness. This ties back into what we were talking about last week. It's interesting how God's word does that and how the Holy Spirit leads us how the Holy Spirit is producing that fruit in us. And Jesus said, it's easy to live that way amongst the people that are like you. That's why it's so easy to worship God in church. It's so easy because we're all here in like mind. We're here for Jesus. And so we're worshiping together. And it's like, there's this freedom here. God's Holy Spirit is tangibly present in his house. And we're like, yeah, God, that's awesome. But do you know where God's calling us to worship him? We're gonna bring up Justin again. When he's driving down the road and someone's doing 35 in front of him and the speed limit is 35. <laughs> now break out in worship. <laughs> Be a light, man. Yeah. All right, I'm just kind of trying to, trying to bring the word of God into the reality of once you get past that person that's in front of you and you arrive on site wherever you're at work or at school or maybe at home, and all of a sudden, it seems like there's this oppressive darkness around you. Huh. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Not the select few, not the ones I'm friendly with and comfortable with, the light shines out in all the darkness. Therefore, we are a representative and ambassador of Jesus Christ, and he has called us to be that. The next verse says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So you're doing the things God's asked you to do. And when you do the things God's asked you to do, they're gonna glorify God, not you, not me. It's gonna glorify God, and he says, when we do that, 
Everyone's going to praise God, not us. So stop looking for credit for what you're doing. You're supposed to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, isn't anybody noticing what I'm doing over here? Well, somebody is, and he's pretty important, so just do it and shut up about it. All right? <laughs> Let it shine. Let it shine, man. I sang a little song. I'm not going to sing it for you, so don't get nervous, all right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You ever go to Sunday school and sing that when you were a kid? Right? I'm going to let it. won't let Satan blow it out, all that good stuff. You remember that? If you don't know that, it's from when I was a kid. They sang those songs in Sunday school. And then it had us proclaim our territory. When I was growing up, we lived in Inkster and shine all over Inkster. So it was like, hey, wherever I am, let my light shine in the region of every place that God has me go. Yeah. It's crazy. See, when that seed of God's word was planted in me, the little song that is a Sunday school song that put that inside of me, directly attributing back to the word of God, I've never forgotten that, even when I wasn't serving him. Those little things are there because God's word is truth and he plants that inside of us and he's like, look, this is what's gonna happen. When you actually take your place where I place you and you do what I tell you to do, people are gonna know there's a God and they're gonna see him for who he is. That's what Jesus is teaching us. So see, there's this expectation of the God things that we do and what we are created for that glorify the Father. So we're not all called to do the same thing, Amen. right? So I'm not saying we don't do the same things, but on God's to-do list, he may have some very specific things for you. But if we aren't listening, we aren't looking, we aren't watching, we're not attentive, we may miss it. I'm reminded of in the book of Acts, if you remember when Saul, going to persecute the church, had the vision, and he realized that he was persecuting Jesus in the church, and it was like, whoa, when he was blind, right? They lead him to the city, and he's there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to an individual, Ananias himself. Listen, it's so important when you hear this. He said, I, I, Ananias, yes, Lord. There is a man named Saul who is praying and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming and praying over him to restore his sight it was specific God wasn't just saying hey is there any Christians down there that can go and pray for Paul he was like Ananias it's you wow Ananias it's you and he's like uh God I've heard about him <laughs> <laughs> He's not the nicest guy. It's you. Go. Man, it's like, okay, Lord, you know. You see, church, what I'm saying is tomorrow, today maybe, God may have a soul for you to speak with, to shine light on, to pray over. Maybe just to say hello to. You know, it's like we're not just saved to live for self. It's not about us. Jesus died for us. That was all about us. But the new life he's been given is all about him. And therefore, once we see the redemption of our God and what he's done, the fact that he has recorded our name in heaven. I mean, is that, when we're singing that song, it just like blows my mind. <laughs> 
my name, David Dwayne Dahlberg, it's my middle name if you didn't know it, is written in heaven. And it's like, I am redeemed. <laughs> Under my name, God has a list of things for me to do now. It's all good, you know. I want to celebrate my name being there, but remember, he wrote me there with a purpose for a purpose. Man, it's about serving him and his kingdom purposes. It's what it's all about. So what happens when we listen to something like this, and I know, I've been there, I've, I know, and I've been a pastor for a long time, so what happens right here is we're still trying to figure out what we're supposed to do for God. And one of the most things that I hear more than probably anything else as a pastor from Christians that are really wanting to do the right thing is like, I don't know what God wants from me. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> I want to do it, and I'm listening, and I'm asking, but I'm not hearing anything. Okay, so just stop trying to figure out what God wants you to do and listen for him to tell you what he wants you to do. Because, see, we can confuse ourselves trying to make the list for him and ask him to sanction it, all right? So this isn't from your spouse, all right? This is from God. And therefore, God has a kingdom purpose in what he's asking. Now, as we go into this then, the good things that God has planned for us, that he says he planned for us, is something that I need to pause and say, all right, Lord, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know about today, but I want to know about today, right now. So don't ask him about tomorrow. Ask him about today. If today spills in tomorrow, he'll let you know. Okay, but listen. <clears throat> on, the, on the church's website, if you go into the, this is not a commercial, by the way. I'm giving you some information, right? If you go into the volunteer area, again, that's not God's to-do list for you. It may be, I don't know, but I'm saying, I'm not commercializing that. I'm just giving you something that's there. When you go to that volunteer uh, application type thing, whatever it is, information sheet, there's a free spiritual gift test that's there. Now, I've taken a lot of, I've, probably self-analyze myself more than anybody, all right? I got papers of stuff about who I am, my personality types, my whatever, okay? I still am who I am no matter what they say about me, and I'm, I want to learn that because I want to be the best who I am for God that he can make me, all right? So I, I believe in looking at myself. I do. I want to in light of the Holy Spirit and anything else I can learn. I want wisdom. So I look at spiritual gifts tests, and I'm like, take them. You should all take it. If you haven't taken it, you should do it. And if you took it a long time ago, I update all of mine. I have them on a periodic scale where I, because I change and so do you because we are all changing, right? So I look at that stuff. So the point is, is it's not like you're gonna have this, uh, well, maybe you'll have a revelation, but if you take the spiritual gifts test and it says these are your three primary and this is your primary one, and then when you do that and send it to me like we request, what I write back is, do you see this in your life? You already know this is happening. Where is this evident in your life right now? Because see, if it's a spiritual gift and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it should already be taking place naturally. 
So if we pause and think and look, it gives us a clue. It's like, oh, God's working in this way through me because this is the way he wired me. All right. So it's like, oh, there should be spiritual affirmation along with human affirmation. Right? I mean, that's God's word says that. All right. So let's stay with this for a minute. As we do this, then we're looking at, Lord, how have you wired me? Who am I? What are you doing with me? Because I know that you saved me for a purpose and a plan. And I want to know what your plan is. Because I already know what mine is, and mine's a mess. When Dave was making the plan, it failed. It got screwed up. I jacked up everything. And it wasn't my goals. I mean, I could lay it out there all I wanted to and try my best, but not happening. So God, like, what is it? So I want to give a verse to us right here because even after we do a spiritual gifts test and we looked at this and we're like, I'm still like, God, I don't, I'm not hearing anything. I have a verse for us. You ready to hear this? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and unmovable. Always work enthusiastic, enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. First off, whatever you're doing, do it enthusiastically. That includes the job that you don't like. Right? Because we're doing it for the Lord. We're doing whatever he's asked us to do for the Lord enthusiastically. Now, all I'm going to tell you right here is as I look at the scripture and he says, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless, I'm going to tell you, do something. (laughs) Do something for the Lord. Right? It's never useless. So while you're trying to figure out, just do something. Not for you, for him. Right? I mean, it's like it's right there. So nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So if we're doing something for him, then way to go. If we're not, wake up. So what, you don't have to answer this out loud. I mean, you can, and you can come and confess to God all you want to, but I'm asking you, what are you currently doing for God? Not for you, for God. Think about it. in the book of James this is what he you know James is great about all this stuff (laughs) it is he's like this whole book is about us doing something with our faith right it really is what good is it dear brothers and sisters if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions so you see when James is talking to us he's talking about the after effects of a relationship right because he's talking to those of us who are saved he said so you know it's great that you have faith but I'm not really seeing a whole lot in your life that says you have faith. Okay, so, but don't just show it. Uh, let's, let's look at the, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Whew. That's pretty much in our face, isn't it? He's like, if, some, if you're not doing something for God, I'm really thinking that you don't really have the faith you say you do. That's biblical right there, church. So if we're not talking about doing works for God, I don't know what we're talking about. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? 
So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So just so we don't get stuck again, because a lot of times we think we get stuck here and think, oh, right now I'm supposed to go out and give clothes and food to the homeless. That's not what he's saying. He's using, I'm not telling you you shouldn't, hear it through. What he, he's using a real life illustration for us to understand that our faith has to take action in what God is saying to us. Just like it was for Ananias to go pray over Saul. Okay, it's that kind of action that is the affirmation of my faith. So I should be hearing from God something in my day about what he wants me to do. And he puts it in front of us. And so all we have to do is listen and look, which is the big struggle. Okay, in James, he continued reading this in verse number 18. Now, by the way, this is James 2. That last verse was verse 17. We're now going to read verse 18. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. So like what they're going to go back to right here before I read, I know I have a, I will read that whole verse, but listen, okay. So a lot of times we're like, well, that's not my gift. That's not, that's not the way God has gifted me. He knows me. We make this excuse about, well, God knows me and he made me like this. Well, he didn't make you like that. You made you like you are in your sinful past. Your parents made you like you are. Culture made you like, like you are. Jesus died to change you. Amen. So stop leaving, making you as an excuse for what God's trying to do. So he's like, hey, this is who I am. So this is all I do right here in this little bubble because this is what I like, I'm comfortable with. No, he's like this. Look, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say... You can show me your faith. <laughs> How? If you don't do good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. He's like, look at my life, man. I'm not just running my mouth about something. He said, if you watch me, follow me, go with me through the week, you're going to know that I'm living for God. You know the Holy Spirit is doing that, right? You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. That's James 2.19. Good for you. Say you believe all you want to. So what? Saving faith is transformational faith. Transformational faith is no longer me, it's God. My life is about God. He's given me life, and I'm living it for Him. Therefore, God, what is it that you want me to do? Listen, Verse 20, how foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. It's like, oh, that's pretty crazy. It's dead and useless. So if your faith isn't producing something, it's dead and useless. Last week, we read the verses from Jesus when he was talking about, you know, how God's the, um, the gardener. He's the true vine. Jesus is. And we have to be connected and remain in him. I'll, I'll read that one little verse for you right here again. Remain in me 
This is Jesus speaking. And I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so this all ties back together for us, church. When we look at this, what God's saying is, I've got things for you to do. I know how I need to prune you, check you, change you in order for you to accomplish what I want to accomplish in and through your life. And the way that God can prune and produce what he wants to in us is for us to allow him to do that Listen to what he's saying to us and be obedient in action for what he's saying. So the word of God says the good things that we are to be doing are the things that God planned for us. Which means you and I must understand and heed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Often, like I use these words and sometimes our terminologies in my language for sure it doesn't really say the right thing when i say you know god said to me it's not like he said hey dave listen i want to tell you something you know but i know it's him see god prompts us the holy spirit moves in us he gives this like stirring inside of us so we know it's him you can't deny when god is speaking through the movement of the Holy Spirit. Rarely does God speak in a verbal voice. I'm not saying he doesn't. He's done it in the past. He's done it in some people's lives, they've told me. I've only heard one word from God in my life, and it was in my head, and it was no. And it was before I followed him. (laughs) I'm, I'm being for real. Very loudly, he said no. Okay, that's the only time. In all my walk with God, when I surrendered to him, I know his voice because I've come to discern by listening the movement of the Spirit of God because it's the same stirring and movement that brought me to him. (laughs) You've heard him, or you're not saved. Remember? See, you can't come to the Father unless the Spirit draws you. And so the Spirit called every single one of us that are born again believers and we heard him or you wouldn't be in relationship with God in the first place so now what we have to do is begin to hear better understanding that God is saying something to us consistently he is oftentimes when you look in the word of God God speaks not in long dissertations. Let's, let's look at something. I want to give us some three practical things to help us learn the Holy Spirit's leading in our life because if we're not heeding and learning what the Holy Spirit is saying and leading us into, we're not going to ever do what God has planned for us to do. Okay? So the first thing we know the Holy Spirit does is He convicts us. Everyone in this room has been convicted. Do you know what conviction feels like? See, even today, even today, when we are tempted to do something wrong, to sin, with thoughts bouncing in our head, uh, all this kind of stuff around, 
Listen, we're tempted to act on the things that we're bombarded with. That's temptation. Sin happens when I either mentally engage with it or physically engage with it. Then I'm willingly participating with the temptation, and that's where temptation becomes sin, where I simply engage the enemy's call, engage with his voice. Okay, now I'm not just saying things from Dave's point of view. We look in the scriptures, remember what Jesus said to us in John 16, 8, and uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. When he comes, Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of its sin. He will convict of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. So three distinct actions of the Holy Spirit's movement in the lives of people. First off, the conviction of sin itself. We will and know and identify sin by the Holy Spirit's conviction. That's why we heard him in the first place, because we saw the sin in our life and our need of a Savior. Therefore, we use those same eyes, spiritually speaking, to see the sin that's trying to take us back into relationship with the world. Same thing. See, the Holy Spirit says, "Uh uh-uh, don't go there. All right? Now, he also convicts of God's righteousness. So the believer as we're walking with him and as we're growing in Christ, the reason why God the Father is pruning us and the Holy Spirit's speaking to us because what he's doing is he's convicting us of God's righteousness because we're to become like Christ. So the things that are un-Christ-like is God's conviction, the pruning of our hearts to draw us to him to be more like Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Awesome, isn't it? And a coming judgment. Hello, the Holy Spirit made us aware, but like we're still going to stand before Almighty God. <laughs> so let's look in 1 Corinthians 10 here what it says. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others are experiencing. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you are tempted He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Temptation. See, it's not sin. So like with everything the enemy tries to seduce us with, with his lies, God says, there's the exit sign, get out. God doesn't trap us in the room with the devil. We sometimes willingly go there. That's when we surrender to temptation. But with every temptation God's word says that he shows a way out so listen look be right where God wants you to be and you can do it okay the second thing that we can learn from the Holy Spirit and how we discern God's voice in our life the Holy Spirit's promptings whatever you want to call it is we want to talk about guilt and shame when God convicts us of something We confess. We repent, correct? All right. Or if he convicts us, we don't act on it when the enemy's calling. So listen, when we repent and we confess, God's word says that he forgives us and he remembers it no more against us, right? 
God's word says this. Listen, Hebrews 8, 12. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Whoa. Yeah, that should have been a little bit of a, maybe applause. <laughs> okay, this is really, really critical for us to hear then. Because remember, we're talking about guilt and shame. When God says that he will never again remember this against us therefore if we're being reminded of something or beat up spiritually emotionally or mentally from something in our past with feelings of guilt and shame that is not the holy spirit see guilt and shame are not the products of god conviction is and therefore, when we begin to feel this guilt and shame from the past, when you've been forgiven, church, God remembers it no more against you. He's not bringing it up to rub it in your face again. The enemy's trying to get you to live in that shadow of darkness and doubt and belief that you are no different. He's a liar. And therefore, he brings that guilt and that shame, and he tries to pile it on us. When God's like, hey, you're free. I've set you free from that. So guilt and shame is not the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. See, conviction is, and conviction is real, and we know it's God. If you're like wondering and you're confused, I tell you right now, it's not God. Because he's not the author of confusion. His word declares that to us. God is a God of truth. He's not messing around with us. This is what Romans 8, 1 says. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. <laughs> that is so good, man. God's not like, well, you know, good try this week, Nick, but you suck. That's not God. There's therefore no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No, that's not the way God works. Now we look at this, and the last thing I want to mention about this understanding and learning God's voice is the affirmation the Holy Spirit brings. See, the affirmation the Holy Spirit brings in our relationship with God, He affirms us in the relationship we have with God, He affirms us when we're acting in God, and He affirms us when we're not present, right? It's what He is, Romans 8, 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, See, your relationship with God is not based on this. I hope I'm doing the right thing. I'm scared that I'm not. I'm trying to do what I can do. God, I hope I measure up. No, wait a minute. He says, you have not received that kind of spirit. That is not the way God is, and that's not the relationship he died to give us. Instead, reading God's word, you have received God's spirit. Hallelujah. When he adopted you as his own children, now we call him Abba Father. Hey. <laughs> here's the affirmation for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children oh thank you God <laughs> the church can't do it your pastor can't do it nobody can do it only God can say you're my child 
I affirm you. You are mine. We are in relationship together. And you know that you are a child of God because God has affirmed you. If you have not been affirmed as God's child, talk to him. <laughs> See, once we receive the spirit of God that he says he gives to us, the affirmation of who he is. Now some, I don't want to go here, but I have to touch on this. Some churches have falsely taught, and yes, I am boldly proclaiming falsely taught that you speak in tongues when you receive the Holy Spirit. And that is like not scripturally accurate whatsoever. The affirmation of the Holy Spirit is a knowledge within that I am a child of God. All right, it is within that I receive that affirmation from him. You are God's kid or you're not. We're not looking for a show and God's not looking for a show. Hey, show everybody you're my kid by what you do. No, that's not what he does. Church, when we look at this, he says it joins with our spirit to affirm that we are a child of God. June 5th is Pentecost. We'll talk more about that. So if you're like a little dazed and confused and disagree with me, read your Bible first off and come back on that date when we talk about the day of Pentecost in the Word of God, all right? Now, let's also read it. We already did read in John 16. We don't have to read it again because I'm going to run out of time. How the Holy Spirit convicts us of God's righteousness. So the conviction of doing what God says and what God desires is also the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You don't have to answer this out loud again. I, I'm going to ask this question, though. You know, have you ever, haven't you ever in your life actually done what God said to you once? <laughs> Just one time is all I'm asking, right? So if, he, if you have, you know the affirmation the Spirit gives. He always gives affirmation when we do it. It's like, yes, that's what I want. Now, we don't do it for the affirmation, but He gives the affirmation to continue us on the journey of doing. Don't wait for the affirmation. Do what God's asking you to do and let him affirm when he wants to. <laughs> Every week when I take out the trash, my wife doesn't have to say, thank you for taking out the trash. <laughs> you know, it's not like that, right? You know, there's just things we're supposed to do. Just because you read your Bible every day this week, it's not like God's like, woo, way to go, man, you did it. Well, if it's the first time you ever did it in your life, he may. But see, it's, uh, it's what we're supposed to do, right? So if we're waiting for God to affirm what we're already supposed to do, we have some issues. <laughs> the affirmation the Spirit gives is in the obedience to God, the conviction of righteousness, the living the way God's asked us to do it, and be what we're supposed to be. Just because you drive 35 today and a 35-mile-hour speed limit, God's not going to go, hey, way to go, I'm going to hug you, you're amazing. And we're not talking about speed limits today. I'm just using that as an illustration, okay? <laughs> Let's do the action steps. So we already affirm when we know in the Word of God clearly declares to us that we're saved to do something for God, right? Therefore, we... There was only two or three. I just read that a little while ago. You should know that, right? God has it to do this for you and for me, right? We need to acknowledge that. Okay, so... What is it that the Holy Spirit is right now leading you into? Just pause. These aren't just words you're going to have to answer this question in this moment. The action steps are something for us to take with us. 
okay? It's like, what is the Holy Spirit leading you into? What is he doing right now? What is he talking to you about? The next one is, what are you currently doing for God? If you're not doing anything for God, but you're asking him to do all for you, then do something for God. There's a list on our website where you can start. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, do something for him. What are you being led into? He's leading you somewhere. He is. I know that the end result is Christ-likeness, but the way that we become Christ-like is by the steps of obedience today. It's by doing what he's telling me right now. Okay? Let's just do something for him, okay? The last thing I want to share with you in this is the, is this is still my extra steps. I got a lot of them today. Identify the liar's voice as well and stop listening to him. So guilt and shame are his classics, right? You're not worthy. You don't measure up. When someone comes to me and prays for salvation, but they're like, they're, they want a relationship with Jesus, I tell them right now, like, look, I want you to know that when you leave today, maybe even before you get up off the ground or wherever you go, if you're kneeling, that's what I'm talking about. Once you leave, you're going to hear a voice and it's going to say, you're no different. Nothing changed. I said, identify that voice because that's the devil. Because if he's telling you nothing happened, that's an affirmation that something's happened. <laughs> he's a liar, right? Something's happened because he wants us to doubt what God says he'll do. And the word of God says if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and wait a minute, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah, man. Man, God is good. The devil's a liar. Identify his voice and rebuke that thing. I don't want to hear him. He's yakking everywhere. It's all over. Remember we were singing about Goliath earlier? This is my last action step, I said, but I'm still on it. So when we, when we sang about Goliath, you know, when we talk about that, remember like his voice would ring out through the valley. It was the valley of Elah. And when he'd come out, he'd begin to defy God and Israel and the armies and all the soldiers would run to their tents and hide. <laughs> Not, not the little shepherd boy. Nope. He didn't hear the threats that were coming out of the voice of the giant. What he heard was that that giant's talking about God. And he's a heathen pagan, and he has no business talking about my God like that. I'm going to take off his head. Right? Cut the voice off right at the neck. That's exactly what he did. God had him throw that stone, knocked him in the head, fell down, ran up, took his own sword, and whacked his head off. I mean, that may be a little brutal, and yeah, you guys, come on, man, you watch TV. It's nothing. <laughs> David picked up his head and held it. Yeah, like all glory to God, man. That dude doesn't run his mouth no more against my God. Amen. So we as a church need to step into that kind of faith and boldness where we like, mm -mm, you ain't saying that to me no more. All right, stand with me or you're going to stay here a lot longer. <laughs> Altar's open. Holy Spirit's moving. He's talking. God's doing something, right? He is doing something right now. He's calling us to obedience, church. Step in. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the truth of your word. 
And God, we ask you to help us to see the to-do list that you have for every one of us today. Today, Lord. And the first thing is the obedience right now, the surrender, the trust, and the obedience that you're calling us to in this moment, in this phase, in this season of our life. Therefore, we are here. And we're listening. Have your way. We give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God. He's so awesome, isn't he? Praise the Lord, man. Thank you guys for being here. Yes.